Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview. My name is Alex Barron. I'm the lead pastor, and we are on the last week of our series called Momentum, which we kicked off uh, on the beginning of the, the year, talking about the practices and the habits, and if you will, like the rhythms that we need to do on a regular basis for spiritual growth to occur. Uh, anytime there's a new year, uh, we tend to maybe be a little bit more reflective. Like, what are the things we need to do this year, uh, different than last year, or the things that we did last year that we need to continue doing? And a lot of times we focus on external things and things that maybe we need to kind of that's making noise in our life. Uh, this series has been about the things that we need to do, like internal things. Like, how do we grow uh, spiritually? What are the things that we need to do on a continued basis so we can grow from the inside out? That's how spiritual growth works. God begins to change us. It starts when we become like aware of his existence and uh, his plan and purpose for us. And as we get to know him and begin to do what he says, we begin to change. And then as we continue to take those faith steps and decide to follow Jesus with our whole life, we actually become different people. And so this series is about those habits that we maybe know but can never get away from. So for some of you, if you've grown up in church, this is probably a reminder. If you're new to church, this will give you some, some steps uh, to maybe you know, take, some, some things to, to start on. But I want to encourage you, as it relates to habits and practices, um, if you're like me, it can sometimes feel like extreme. Like I have to do all the things all the time or I'm a failure. Anyone like extreme, like you want to be like you're a perfectionist? Anyone struggle with that? Anyone know that you're not going to do it and so you just decide like I'm not even going to try? Anyone? You don't even want to raise your hand? Like, uh, why raise my hand? He's going to move on, right? But there's something about the extreme state that sometimes we know ourselves and uh, we live in those two worlds. Like, well, I'm not going to be able to do it, or I can't do it perfectly. And, and so we keep running into like the weight of our failure. And so I just want to encourage you. We've talked about a lot of things. Really, it's a biblical viewpoint of growth. But instead of looking at it all at once, I want to encourage you to pick one area. And I'm going to recap it in a moment, but I, but I encourage you to take kind of that, that weight like to perform, that weight to be a perfectionist, or even just that, that pull of like, you know what, I've tried this stuff, it doesn't work. With spiritual growth, it always takes time. And it always starts where you are. God doesn't meet you in the past because you're not there. God doesn't meet you in the future because you're not there either. God meets you right here in the present. So I want to encourage you, take the step where you are. And if you've missed any of this series, catch up with us. We podcast all of the sermons. You just search Ridgeview Church Fontana. Our Ridgeview uh, Church page is also on YouTube where you can catch up on our worship services. That's a way for you, for you to do that catch up if you've missed any of it. Today, uh, I'm talking about the importance of relationships and how to move from this picture of acquaintances, of getting to know people on like maybe the Sunday morning level, to how do we actually grow uh, through relationships where people can know us and we can know them on, a, on a, like a closer level. So today I'm talking about the importance of small groups. Uh, you may have heard of that phrase, small groups, and we've done lots of different groups here, and that's probably the most literal explanation of a group. It's something that's big, like this is a bigger group, um, and then a smaller group is just the same kind of principles, but it meets midweek with less people. Now, there's something about relationships which are important to us. Uh, anyone remember this show? What's the theme? Anyone remember? Sometimes you want to go. Who's your name? 
Yeah, okay. Like when we were in the 80s, that just took us all back. Some of you were younger, some of you were older. But if you remember that show, it's based on this premise of like, you all go to a bar, and everyone goes to the bar at the same time. You got to love 80s shows, right? But it's the idea of like, well, we all know each other here. And what made the show was not the bar. What made the show was the relationships and all the dynamics. Here's a more recent one. This might be more uh, your era. Friends. Some good friendships, some dysfunction, but that's kind of what made it interesting. Lots of issues and problems, but it's the relationships. Uh, An even more recent one is this, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, The premise is in a small town where everyone knows everyone, and then it gets really freaky and scary. (laughs) That's this show. But notice that the, the marketing and the pictures and everything, it's always group of people. That's what intrigues us. There's something about groups of people that speaks to how we're made. And this whole series has been reminding us that God's made us. And we grow in our relationship with him. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we're all supposed to be growing in our relationship with each other. That's the goal of the church. We grow with him and then we grow with each other. It's vertical and it's horizontal, always. It's not just me and Jesus and it's not just me and other people. It's all together working. That's how we grow spiritually. And so that's what we've covered. And I just want to kind of review very quickly how God builds momentum in the church, how he builds momentum in your life as you commit to certain rhythms and habits and practices. We started the series talking about the importance of his people worshiping together. That's the Sunday service. That's how God builds the momentum, his people worshiping together. When we come and we sing songs, we're reminded of who God is. Like that new song we just sang, I need to be reminded, his mercies are new. And that's the promise of scripture. Every time you wake up, his mercies are new. You're not living today on yesterday's mercy. And you've got that mercy to face today's problems. Songs remind us of that. When we get into God's word, it reminds us of the truth. When we see each other, we're reminded that we're not alone. And that's why the Sunday morning worship service is so important. That's what Christians have been doing since Jesus came and he left and he promised to come again. While we wait for him to return, we gather together on Sundays to gather in his name. So that's how you build momentum. You make this a priority, the Sunday morning gathering. Uh, We looked at the week after of the importance of serving together. So this is a step. And if you will, these are kind of steps where you, you build momentum and that momentum builds on that momentum, which builds on that momentum. And so there's something about gathering on a Sunday, which should bless you, which should encourage you to give you this sense of like, I want to be a part of helping build this and to continue it forward. And we talked about the importance of serving and how at Ridgeview, we have so many volunteers who help us accomplish our goal so that we can do the mission that God's given us. The church is the most unique organization where you have a group of people that willingly give their time and their energy and their money and their sacrifice and they're not paid. It's the largest workforce of volunteers that exists. It's in the church. The mission he's called serving together. And then the third week we looked at the step further of not just coming and gathering on a Sunday and not just even serving, but, but like putting your flag in the ground of commitment to a church. We live in a consumer world. There's a church for everyone, and that's important because you need to find the church that fits you, but at some point, you have to stop church shopping, and you have to commit. Because if you don't commit, people don't know you, you don't know them, and you don't grow. And so you have to make a commitment, and we talked about membership here at Ridgeview and how you take a step of commitment, how you get to know us, and how you can be a part of what God wants to do. Growth always comes after commitment. You don't experience the growth before it. It always precedes it. 
And then last week, we talked about the step further of momentum is that we come together, we're committed to each other, we're serving each other, we're worshiping together, and we can never get lost on the mission that Jesus came to seek and to save who's lost. And we have to be committed to investing and inviting in others. And last week, I talked about my prayer for this year is that 50 of us, part of the church, will make a declaration like we will invest and invite in unchurched people. I will tell my neighbors about Jesus. I'm going to share what Jesus has done in my life. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to invite them to events. I'm not just going to live my life in an insulated Christian world. I want to be a light into the darkness. I want to encourage you, if, if you want to take that step and you're not even sure what that means, write invest and invite on your connection card. And we have a training in March which will show you, like, what does it mean for me to be that light? We want to equip you. We want to give you the tools so you can do that. And so let us know. And that's going to be on, on March 3rd. And so all of these are speaking of like the church service, the gathering, the relationships, the serving, and organization and organic all in one. And today we're taking it the step further, the habit of meeting together in small groups, gathering from the larger gathering into a smaller gathering. If I can, I just wanted to tell you my goal up front. My goal is that all of you would decide to sign up for a small group today. I'm not going to be checking that at the door. But I believe it's so important for Christians and even in people who are investigating and not yet Christians to get into a group where you can actually ask questions and get the help that you need. We're made for these types of relationships. And I want to go back to the scripture that we've talked about again and again in this series, how the early church was formed. And I want you to pay attention to kind of the shift from the larger gathering to the smaller gathering. And here it is in, in Acts chapter 2. It says, every day, every day, the devotion, this is the new Christians, they came to know Christ, they were saved by his grace, they decided to live for him. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, that's like the church. The temple in the New Testament represents the, the local church. And they broke bread from house to house. I highlighted that for the emphasis. Temple, house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. These relationships are real. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I love this. It's this picture of Christians coming together. We're gathering in the temple. And in the temple, there's people who are also trying to investigate. Like, is Jesus worth following? And they're noticing and they're paying attention and the favor is growing and so people would see what's happening and they take a step and say, like, I wanna follow Jesus because that person follows Jesus. And they live differently. And it's always those working together. And then it's this large gathering, the temple, and then the house to house. There's something about house to house which can help you grow in other ways outside of just this gathering. And today's sermon is just focused on why that is. What does God do in a way where we get together with a smaller group of people. And if you think about how life works, some of the most meaningful conversations have happened, not usually in large gatherings, because it's hard to have those types of conversations, but it's as people get to know you and you get to know them, that you make a shift and, and he helps you and he brings the help that you need. Now, all of this isn't how one is better than the other. That's how you have to choose where you are. If you're just at the place where it's like, I'm just ready to come on a Sunday and you might not be ready for a small group, that, that's fine. Start where you are. That's where God meets you. But it might be something like, I need to take that step. I need to consider this thing. Why would this be so important? Well, God uses the relationships and people knowing you and you knowing them to actually give you a boost in the fuel of your life. It, it strengthens you. It encourages you. Now, here, here's a gas gauge, a fuel gauge. And some of you, go, go to the, the, the image if you could on the, the fuel. No, just the... 
the fuel gauge. There we go. Now, how many of you would say you're like, you wait till the E? Like you wait, how many of you like, you wait, any, anyone like, I don't even consider gas until the light comes on. And then you've calculated how much you have. Like for me, it's like 35 to 40, right? If I drive slower, I got even longer. How many of you like, when you, it gets to half a tank, you're already considering I got to get gas soon. Oh, oh my goodness. God bless all of you. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I mean, if it's, are you guys pessimists? Because if it's half, it's half full, guys, not half empty, right? But there's something about that, depending on where you are, where you, you should get a little nervous. You might like to live on the edge a little bit, but it's indicating that your fuel is low. That happens in life too. Do you know your fuel of your life and your soul and your heart, it gets low. You get discouraged. You get stressed. The weight of your life weighs on you. And what God does with a group of people, he sometimes brings us around these people where we can see like, man, my fuel is low and I needed this. And sometimes you didn't even know that your fuel was low until you got in that setting. That's how God uses groups. He uses the house to house. I can be known, they can know me. And I can experience encouragement, refreshment, the reminder of who God is. And what you, what you find over time is that it, it boosts you. And this is how it works. Group life can provide a much-needed boost in our week and our spiritual growth. That's what group life does. It provides a much-needed boost. We're going to show this clip because we keep showing it, and you guys are like, what's going on? Now, you don't want to do that if your tank is almost empty. That will cost you $20 in gas right there. But you can see they're coming in line, and it's that acceleration, and it like boosts them. And that, that's how God uses relationships. So that's how he uses encouragement. It's this picture of the church. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. My problems are just not completely unique. There's people that have faced what I've faced. They've gone through what I've gone through. And I need them, and they need me. And you get that, that boost, and that's what group life, it provides that much-needed boost for our week, like what we're facing right now, and for our spiritual growth, like the path, the path forward. And for me, I've experienced this in my own life, how God's used people again and again to give me that boost. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna give a snapshot of, of scripture that provides the ways that this boost happens. Like where we're, maybe we're running on empty and God uses groups to help us. And I'm using an acrostic that actually is boost. So B-O-O-S-T. And I wanna start with the first one, that in smaller groups, we can find a place where we can belong where we can actually belong, like I belong here. Now, as you came to Ridgeview, uh, we want everyone who comes through these walls and doors, you don't come through the walls, you come through the doors, <laughs> who come through the doors here at Jesse Turner to come and say, like, I can belong here. But there's a lot that goes on just from the parking lot to here. There's a lot that goes on even before you come. You're always trying to gauge, like, is this a group of people I can belong with? We do that from the beginning of being toddlers to, to the day we die. It's just like, where, do I fit here? Are these people like me? Am I like them? We're always trying to gauge that. And the world focuses so much on like, well, do the people look like me? Do they sound like me? Do they do what I do? It's very external. But there's something about the spiritual world, which is we belong with each other because we are united by Jesus. And it actually doesn't matter what we look like because there's unity in him. And so when we come into a small group, it's not that you find a group that matches you exactly. It's that because of Jesus, you match the people. And even if you're not sure about what it means to follow him, there's a group of people that will help you investigate. 
That's what the church is designed to do. Notice 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says this, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. I just want to stop right there. So Paul is talking, and Paul was a big church starter in the first century, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's writing this to a group, the new church, how they should live. And he's saying, listen, I want to share you the gospel. And what's the gospel? The gospel is that despite that we're sinners, God loved us, and he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. That's the gospel. We are sinners, but we're not condemned forever. As we choose to follow Jesus, that condemnation is taken from us, and Jesus took it on the cross. And when he died on the cross for our sin, the payment was paid in full once and for all. And so what Paul is saying is that's the central thing. The church, no matter what we do, always has to go back to the gospel, the reason for which we have hope. And our boost in life is always connected to the gospel. It's not our own works. It's not our own effort. But it's the fact that his mercies are new every morning, like we sang. But notice what Paul says is like, there's more. And he's saying that because of the gospel, God does more things. And he says, listen, I didn't want to just share this, but I want to share it with you my own life. And then he gives the reason why. Because you had become dear to us. I think this is one of the greatest scriptures which speaks of the importance of relationships. We're not just talking about ideas and information and concepts. We're talking about life to life. If you want to know what church is, that's what it is, life to life. And the life of Jesus allows us to be life to life. And it moves beyond just information to actual being known by people where we want to share life with each other because we're dear. We're dear to each other. That, that, that's actually very, very inspiring. And so small groups uh, for me, and we want this to be your experience as well, should help you shift from this is my church, like this is my church, this is where I go, to this is my people. That's different. My church is I attend church. I go to church. But small groups is m- m- making that shift. It's not just my church, but these are the people that I spend time with. That is the indicator of a relationship is where is your time spent? And again, the great thing about church is it's not just finding the people that are exactly like you, but it should be multi-generational, multi-background, multi-story, and it's sharing with each other. And so this isn't just about finding the people that is exactly like you and just sticking with them. It's No, God wants to use you to bless numerous people in the church and he'll use numerous people to bless you. So you don't just find your people. The idea is like in the church, God's given us the people. He's given us the help. And as I look out, even here, and as I see what's happening in the church, it's amazing all the different stories and lives, and it's this beautiful mosaic of God's grace and how he uses all sorts of people in different ways, from young to old. That's the story of our church. So in smaller groups, we can belong, and that belonging is very important. I want to show you just a, a, a brief chart of a, a book I found in, called To Be a Friend, and it speaks of like the different layers of friendships or maybe relationships. And for most people, they spend a lot of their life on the acquaintance realm. Like at work, it's like you maybe have this working relationship where it's like, hi, how was your weekend? It was good, how was yours? It was good, great. We had an acquaintance moment. And then you do it maybe the next day and the next day. And we do that with our neighbors too. We can do that in church. We can even do that with family. They know us and we know them, but we're kind of acquaintances. So it's basic level. Uh, It moves from acquaintances to 
the casual friends. Like, okay, there's actually a friendship. Like, there's something we know a little bit more about each other that defines our relationship. And then from there, it goes to a close friend and then to intimate friends. So small groups, this is what I want to kind of have in the church, is designed to help people move from acquaintances to casual friends and from casual friends to close friends. That's the, the goal. Now, intimate friends, that may not happen in a small group because small groups are designed like you don't stay in them forever. So that sometimes that intimacy, meaning like people share really deep things of what's going on, that may not happen in the small group that you're a part of. But I've moved. Like this isn't just acquaintances shooting the breeze. And this might not even be casual, like where it's just generic in nature. But I actually, um, I want to share what's really going on. And I hope you'll do the same. That's the goal, to kind of move. And that's the, the belonging. And so groups is like a point of connection. We can connect with each other, and then we can care. The connecting and caring, that's very important. So that's the belonging. The, the second is to open up, the B and then the O. Um, one of our values here at Ridgeview is to be open and honest. That is like we don't want to play games with each other. Church can become a place, and you might have grown up like this, where everyone talks about something and ideas, and then everyone lives completely different. In fact, some of the stories I've heard in the church is some of the deepest hurt for people has existed in the church. But it's not because of what people said. It's because of what people have done. And church has become a place where you kind of fake it. Like, I need to appear, and I need to say, and I need to do a certain thing so people see me a certain way. The church should be the opposite. It should actually be a place where you can be exactly where you are and you're accepted and you're not judged for where you are. But then it's also a place where people will want to help you so you don't stay where you are. That's the work of redemption through Christ. We don't have to stay where we are, although God meets us where we are. And God doesn't ever want us to stay where we are because he wants to change us. And so a big part of groups is like, I can open up about what's really going on. Now, having said that, Groups are also not a place where you're transparent. Transparent is a word which can sometimes feel like opening up, but a lot of times transparency lacks discretion. God wants us to have discretion in our relationships. That means I don't air my dirty laundry to everyone because that might not be appropriate depending on the group, depending on the level of relationship. And so Another fear is like, wow, is everyone going to share their, their deepest, darkest secrets with each other, and then we'll pray and eat a snack afterwards? That sounds terrible. That's not the goal either. But there is a sense of which I can, from the small group, this could be a springboard for another relationship. So if you can, a lot of these are springboards. Like the small group is a springboard for opening up. And there might be people in that group based on what they share and what I share where we can talk further about what's going on. And so this idea of opening up is integrity. I'm not uh, misleading. I'm not different on the outside than I'm on the inside. Integrity is those things match. And so groups should be a place where, where that can happen. And, and scripture uh, speaks of this. This is 1 John chapter one. It says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Notice the connection. So our relationship with God, he's in the light, he's never in the darkness. So we have to come to him and his ways. We have to do what he says. And then we're in the light. But notice how the light of being with the Lord then brings the fellowship with each other. That's a very important connection. It's not just us and him. 
Then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So the idea is like we act like we have it all together. And you act like you have it all together. And we just all act like we have it all together. And the scripture is saying, that's foolish. There's no truth there. And we all know that. Like conceptually, we know that. But we also know the pull of we always want to appear better than we are. Is that safe to say? We don't want, hey, I, I wish people would really see me worse than I am. Have you ever said that? Never. It's always we hope that they'll, they'll see us better than we are. And so this isn't speaking of judgment, but it's just this idea of like we actually do need to come into the light with the Lord Jesus. He deals with us first. And then we do need to let people in of the things that we're, we're dealing with. And so if you're ever in a, in a group and it's like you get the sense like you should share with somebody what's going on, uh, that might be the Holy Spirit like urging, like you need to share this. And then if you also find yourself saying, I don't want to share that, that might be good for you to share. Many times I get in my head like I don't want to share it. And the Lord says, yeah, but you need to. But I don't want to. You ever do that? I do all the time. It's wrestling. Because there's just something, it's like my pride, like I don't, I don't want to let people in sometimes. And so again, springboard. James 5 gets even more specific. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Another thing in small groups, we don't just start off like, hey, confession, we're having confession time, right? We, we don't want to do that. But there is a sense of like, again, the springboard. As I've moved from acquaintances to casual friends, from casual friends to close friends, I can't actually share what's going on. I can say, hey, Brother, I, I need some prayer, and I encourage you, if there's a sin that you need to confess, the Scripture says you will find healing. You confess your sins to one another. You pray that you may be healed. Notice it's not forgiven. You're forgiven by Jesus. No one forgives you. You don't have to confess to any man. We go direct. But there is healing that comes. And the idea is, like, I'm facing some things, and I'm just, I've got some things going on that, that I can't bear this burden myself. God's wired that in so we actually do need each other. And I've had this in different points in my life where I'm just, I'm struggling and I need to let people into the struggle. And I've, I've experienced that healing. It's like, wow, I, I'm relieved. Someone else knows what I'm going through. There's a relief there, that there, there's healing. And so we want groups to be a place where you can open up and over time as trust is built, where you can get the help that you need. You know, it's very difficult for people to help you in this setting because they don't know all that's going on. It's not designed for that. But small groups is a place where you can get the help that you need. And that's what we want to do as a church. So that's opening up. Then the second O is to observe. Uh, Hebrews 13.7, uh, it says this. Put it up there for me. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is actually a contrast to what we see in, in culture. Um, there is no shortage of YouTube videos. There's no shortage of podcasts. There's no shortage of episodes of learning, of hearing people tell us about what we should do and how we should live, right? The information age is at an all-time high. This isn't speaking about information. What it's saying is, is actually in the church, in the Christian life, things need to be verified. And actually, if you see someone and how they're living, 
you're much likely to do it yourself. So we live in a time where it's just like we love podcasts and we love learning, but it doesn't translate as, well, is that verifiable? And I haven't thought much about this, but you know the person who's sharing all the great ideas? We have no concept that their life is actually matching what they're saying. We don't even know what they're saying is true. We don't even know if they're actually applying it or living it or if it works. The church is different. Actually, you should be able to see. This person's talking about faith. I can see their faith. They're talking about how to be a good dad. I can see the way that they're a dad and a mom and a spouse and all the different aspects of life. It's this idea of like we can learn from others. I hope in your life you've had examples. And depending on your parents, if they walk with the Lord or not, they could be an example. They could also be the opposite of an example. And that's why the church is so important. Because if you didn't have a mom or dad that could show you, you need people to show you. You need people who you can see their faith and imitate it. And then as you get older and you've walked with God, you need to be the type of person that people are looking at you. Scary, right? But all of us can be an example. Even for students, older students, you're an example for the younger students. That's how life works. And so there's this part of of people should be living their faith out in a way that I can see it. And many times in my life, I've had men that have not just told me what to do, but they've shown me what to do. My dad was one of them, and I've been able to imitate his faith. I've had many men that have just told me, like, you have to endure, and I've seen them in their battles of life and their stress, and they've endured, and I can imitate their faith. They've not freaked out. They've not bailed out. They've not ran away. They've stayed under the pressure of life, and they've endured. And so when they tell me to endure, I know what they mean because I've watched them. I've had people talk to me about the importance of spending time in God's word, and then as they share their life, they share what God spoke to them in their quiet time in the morning. It's real. This is what this is. It's like we can get to people where we can observe them, and this could be uh, from leaders. This is what the Hebrews pastors talk about. You should see leaders, and that's why it's important. If you're under authority, you can learn from the leader God's put over you. Every leader isn't perfect, but you can learn things. In the church, it's the same. And then there's peer-to-peer learning. Watch or read Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now it's this, this contact, right? This isn't just generic. It's not a distance, but it's, it's contact as iron sharpens iron. And so... This is the idea of like there's somebody that some, someone does and says that, that sharpens me. Like, wow, I, I don't know if I would do what they did. Have you ever had somebody that's acted graciously by what somebody said to them? And the way you're like, wow, they were totally patient with that person. You ever had that experience? You're like, I wouldn't have done that. I would have wanted to bite their head off. There's, there, there's learning there. You don't want to think like, wow, they're special. Actually, God's grown them in an area. You should, you should watch that. That should sharpen you. Like, you know, I want to do that too. And you want to ask them like, wow, you're really patient with that person. How, how did you do that? Let their life sharpen you and, and vice versa. Proverbs 27, 17. That's a good a verse to memorize if you haven't memorized it before. And then finally, Proverbs 13, 20. This is how life works. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, I've heard through the, through the years, just pick your friends, pick your future. This is really true. From young age to an old age, who you spend time with is who you become. And in the church, we want to spend time with people that can pull us forward. And then there's people that are maybe more immature than you that, that you can pull them forward. And that's how it works. It's like we all work together. Some we're looking up to, 
Some are looking up to us. And that's what you see. All different stories, all different experiences. But if you're just hanging out with your own family, and if your family's struggling, most of the time you're just a companion of each other's struggles. And if all you're hanging out with people is their baggage and your baggage, and it's like, look at all our baggage. Your baggage grows, it multiplies. So there's times where you have to actually get help from people who can say, you know what? I could help you with that that piece of suitcase. I could show you how to pack that away and put it somewhere else to deal with your bags. Like that, that's how you grow and you become more wise. You hang out with people that can actually help you. So that's observe. And then the S, to serve. And we've talked about service related to the church. But service also happens, again, not just in the temple, but from house to house. Now, as you read the New Testament, you're just like, man, they're breaking bread? And it says with joyful and sincere hearts, like they're eating together. But if you've ever had people over and you like ever served them food, it's a lot of work. Anyone agree? Anyone always think like the cleanest your house ever is is when you're gonna have somebody over? Yeah, this past year we hosted group at our house on Wednesday night. Wednesday afternoon from about 3 p.m. on was the cleanest it was gonna ever be. Right? So there's a, a certain part of like, you see what, what happens in the, the service, but it's meant to be this thing of like, you know what? We serve and it takes work to do this life with each other, like life to life. It does take work. It's not magic. Like I'm gonna go to group and it's just, I'll be there and there's no, no, it takes a lot of people behind the scenes to make it happen. But the service that it takes to make it happen is worth it. Hosting people, it's work, but it's worth it. Leaving your house, getting out of your comfy jammies when it's dark and it's cold and there's rain on the forecast, it's a sacrifice, right? But it's worth it. Seems easier. I could just stay at home. You could, but it's worth it. And so that's, that's this idea of, of the serve. And back to Acts 2, you'll see the scripture again. It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Well, how did they hold all things in common? Well, they, they were around each other. There was this knowledge and experience with each other. And then it says they sold their possessions and property and distributed. Like they were all in. They were willing to do whatever was needed to help this church. Like, and when I say the church, like the Christian movement get started. And then as any had need, how do you serve people's needs? We have to know them. Well, how do you know them? Well, it takes time. It takes rubbing shoulders. And then it's both and. And I want to encourage you, uh, a lot of us struggle with sharing needs that we have. Anyone struggle with that? Like you'd rather help people than be helped. Anyone? Yeah. I, I can struggle with that too. But there's something about, there's times when you need help, you need to share that so people can help you. Some of that is actually like we have to swallow our own pride. Like we are in need. And it works both ways. You shouldn't always be the person that serves and you shouldn't always be the only one that receives. It's reciprocal. Uh, Ridgeview, we have a, a really good moving company. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's called Ridgeview Church. That is our moving company. But there's people here. Anyone been helped with a move part of Ridgeview? Yeah, we've got, we've got hands that gone up. We also have a great uh, meal train in our church. Anyone ever received a meal from Ridgeview? Look at all those hands. Anyone given, made a meal? And I, I, I know I, I've had some of these meals that I've seen. And it's a blessing. But this is the service. Like, I'm willing to, to do something to, to help somebody else. So whether it's moving or setting up a meal train after 
The families of our church are multiplying. They got new babies. And you, if, if you remember that phase, like you just, you don't even know what day it is, let alone what meal you should be eating. And so that's, that's the way we, we bless. Uh, our church is celebrated, you know, together we, we've celebrated many things. And then we've, we've also been there in losses. And there's people that have experienced great losses, part of our church. But that's the idea of service. Like wherever people are, we, we want to meet them there. We want to help. But this right here, things in common as they had need, that's where it's like more house to house than it is large gathering. And then the final boost is, is the truth. All of this without the truth can't happen. Ephesians 4, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. See, our, our world longs for love because actually God made them to everyone to, to love them. That's why God made each and every one of us is to love in a, in a relationship, to love us. But because of our sin and we've turned away from God, that need for love hasn't gone away, but everyone searches for love somewhere else. And so our culture and our world says that everybody needs love, but they don't need truth. You define your truth, you find your truth, you pursue your truth, you choose your own truth, you live your truth, you be your truth. Well, what's truth? You just find it. Actually, the truth is God's word. It's revealed. We don't know the truth unless God revealed it, and that's what the scriptures are. It's his revealed truth. And so the scriptures in group life is a reminder, like, we need love, we need to be together, but we always have to be anchored to the truth. Because if we just have love but no truth, then we can easily just get into just doing whatever makes us happy. That's actually what the world says, whatever makes you happy. That's actually a terrible premise. Because whatever makes us happy is different. And what if it makes you happy, something that's wrong? and goes against God's principles, then what you're doing is you're setting your happiness on something that actually goes contrary to the ways of God. And you, in the end, will not be happy. You'll be destroyed. Your life will be destroyed. And so you need truth and love. And for me, it's always a reminder that God speaks to me as I get around people and as we open up God's word. And uh, this semester, as we launch growth groups, we're gonna be going through books and these biblical principles. This is a reminder of like, yeah, this is the way that God wants me to live. I need to be reminded of these things. So it's more than just getting together and hanging out. Really, the scriptures is saying it's like truthing and love. We're loving each other as we live out the truth. And we're living out the truth as we love each other. That's Ephesians 4.15. That's another good scripture to memorize if you haven't. And so I just want to encourage you, really consider signing up for a group. Because these things, I believe, are true. I'm not just giving lip service. And the Bible's just outlined, this is the way that you get that boost. And so I just wanna introduce uh, on the screen here just the different group leaders, and it matches the flyer that you have. And all these group leaders have decided to, to lead a group and say like, you know what, I wanna be a part and lead a group of people together so that we can experience this. And so you'll see the first is Jenny and Alex Stewart. Their, their group is on Monday night. They're gonna be learning about Revelation and how do you read that book and understand God's direction in the middle of all of those things can sometimes be hard to understand. Uh, we have another group, group number two. Uh, this is Brandon Tucker. He's, he's leading a men's group uh, talking about how do you grow your faith. And so uh, if you're a man and you're interested in growing your faith, this would be a good group. Uh, we have another woman's group, number three. 
this is led by Natalie Mills. They're actually going to be going through the same book that uh, Brandon's uh, group. And so if you are married, you could sign up for a men's and a women's group, and you'll be going through the same material, which could be helpful. Again, growing, growing your faith. And the group leaders will be at the back, and they'll have the resources, the books that they're going to be going through. You could get a chance to meet them. And so I encourage you uh, to do that. Uh, group number four is Kevin and Angie Moore. Uh, they're going to be going through a, a marriage book together. And so if you're married or close to being married, um, I'm going to just stop there. Uh, you want to go to, to that group, and that will be a help to you. Like, how can we read this material and, and, and get help? And then group number five is uh, Joey and Allie Bowman. Uh, they're going to be reading resources on spiritual disciplines. Like, what are the disciplines that we can do uh, over time that, that help us grow? And then finally, group number six. This group's actually full. You can't sign up for it, uh, but that's another marriage group. And so there's five options, different nights of the week. I encourage you to, to really consider these things. Because if Scripture's true, like there's this part of the large gathering which is important and the house to house, then you want to consider, like, how could that help me right, right where I'm at? So uh, questions to consider. Which one of these five boosts would be the biggest benefit to you right now? And then on the next screen, you'll see what they are again. Do you need, a, like, a sense of belonging or just a group where you can open up? What about observing? Like, there's people I need to learn from. I need the opportunity to serve and people to serve me. Like, that could be where you're at. Or just truth. Like, I need to discover more of God's ways. And so... Consider these things, and to sign up, you could just put a GG, growth group, number, and just put the number that you're interested in on your connection card, and uh, those are going to launch in a couple weeks. Again, you can meet those leaders after the service. I want to close out with a video from Josh Gilmet, who has been new. Him and his wife have come, and their family, new to our church since um, probably in the last year. And Josh, actually, when he came around, he wasn't yet a follower of Jesus, and over the last year has committed his life to Christ and his, his wife has and their family has been changed and they've, they've really lived out the, the premises of this series. Like these are the practices and the habits. And so uh, Josh joined a group for the first time, him and his wife, and it was a help to them and he, he's just gonna share a little bit about it. I'm Josh Gilmet. I've been at Ridgeview for about a year now and uh, I was lucky enough to get involved in, in the groups this past session. And for me, it was, it was this great opportunity to reflect on that week's sermon and what was discussed and, and really to dive in a little bit deeper and uh, learn more about it within a group setting where it was, it was really where I could ask questions and, and get feedback. So I made sure I understand, understood what was going on uh, in the sermon. It was also a great way for me to get prayer uh, at the time, I was going through some, some very rough circumstances in my life, and, and other people in the group were going through things as well, and we could share what we were going through and ask for prayer and guidance, uh, and it was a real good sense of community. It also allowed me to just make some deeper relationships within the group as well that maybe I wouldn't have been able to at church because there's so many people to see every Sunday, and it's always in and out, and it's very busy, but... Uh, during group, you're just you're there with the people you're there with, and you get to see them every week, and it's just a wonderful way to connect with them. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the new groups. I think that the the subjects and the different offerings are really going to make it very beneficial for everybody. So I think it'd be great if you could come out and hope to see you out there. It's interesting if you heard what he said. The different aspects is like you could see. Okay, there was learning the truth, right? 
uh, relationships growing. And then I could share like prayer requests, like things that were going on. So what we're talking about, it, it really is real. You, you can experience it. Uh, next week, we're going to be launching a new series called Triggered. And uh, if you've ever been impacted by emotions in your life, anyone ever been impacted by an emotion you've ever had? Okay. All right. All of us, right? It's, we can all be triggered by things. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about how to use the emotions that we have, but how to filter them through God's truth so that it won't derail our life. So next week, Super Bowl Sunday, but launch of a new series, and we're going to have donuts. Hope to see you guys there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder of these things, that you have given us what we need to build momentum, and that you do change us from the inside out. Uh, We don't just need new ideas and new habits. We need transformation. So we thank you that you're a God that saves us. You do transform us. You make us into different people. And we thank you for the uniqueness of all the lives represented here. And I just pray that you'll grow just our group life, that people can be in group and really experience what we've talked about, the promise of Scripture, that we can actually not just learn about the gospel, but share our very lives because people are dear to us. And so we pray for our group leaders, that you'll strengthen them and help them as they lead out. We pray for our groups, that you'll really use them as an opportunity for people to grow. And God, we just pray that everyone will just take a step where they are, that they'll be able to fight against the temptation of failure or passivity, and that they will be able to take a step towards the help that you give them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.